think in reality, you know, the, the superheroes are new mythology. Um, instead of gods and demigods and heroes, we have superheroes. And the superhero is the perfect vehicle to tell a variety of stories. You know, whether you need a godlike figure uh, like Superman or a mere mortal flawed person like a Batman or somewhere in between Spider-Man, who he's a kid with problems just like the kids reading the comic books, but he has these fantastic powers. Whereas Batman has the same physical limitations up to a point that you and I might have, but he just has a big checkbook. And then superhero, uh, Superman, someone we cannot, or Wonder Woman, someone we dream to be. Uh, but they become these perfect templates for these other stories that we want to tell. Welcome to Speculative Sandbox, your audio playground for creative storytellers. My name is Vicki Lawn, and each episode, I and a guest will unpack a fiction trope with an eye for character development and narrative structures. Make sure to look for Speculative Sandbox on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, where you can join the conversation. Leave comments or questions, or let us know what other tropes we should cover. When the real world just doesn't cut it, let's get lost in a fictional one. Everybody, this is Vicki Lawn. I am so excited about this episode today. I sat down with Brad Alice. If some of you may remember him from a previous podcast episode, he talked to me about dystopian societies. He's back. He's talking about superheroes, and there really isn't a better person. He is so passionate about comic books, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DC movies. I knew he'd be the perfect person to talk to me about this topic. We discuss what makes a superhero, what could possibly date them, since many of them originated in past decades, and how would we design our own superheroes that could take on some modern problems. Brad, I'm really excited to have you back on the podcast. The last time you were with us was on an episode dedicated to dystopian societies, and that is currently the most popular episode to date. How does that make you feel? Well, my ego wants me to think that it was all me, but I realized that, A, it's probably a little bit of me. A lot of the content of that uh, episode, as well as your uh, adept editing skills to put up those little video shorts that make me sound even better and more compelling. So <laughs> I I'll take making one out of three being me, and, and that's good enough for my ego. Awesome. Well, okay. For those who haven't listened to the dystopian episode yet, uh, how about you tell a little bit about yourself for our new viewers and also our repeat viewers? Sure. My name is Brad Alice. I am uh, currently working much like you in government communications. I have a journalism background. I spent well over uh, almost 20 years as a sports reporter, later transitioned into a community reporter. I also did uh, sports radio and even dabbled a little in television, even though I do have a face made for radio and a voice made for print. Uh, I'm an aspiring novelist. I have currently wor uh, written two full manuscripts, which I'm now tweaking, trying to find representation. And I'm about 27,000 words into, into book three of a 2018 book, uh, a detective series that I hope to do. Um, and I just like to consider myself a storyteller. I used to do a web cartoon. So yeah, all kind of all over the place, like just telling stories, whether that story is the story of why you need to vote for a certain transportation package or about a, uh, a failed hockey playing 20 something year old detective or everything in between. And you have a big love for comic books, right? I do. I do not currently collect comic books because I got priced out of the hobby. But 
from about, I don't know, 1979 to about 1999, I was a, a voracious comic book uh, reader. I uh, wanted to be a comic book artist, wanted to be a comic book uh, writer. I uh, wasn't quite good enough as an artist. I'm just good enough to be able to impress people with my doodles, but not so much that I can get anything more than a $10 an illustration uh, gig. Um, I used to want to be a comic book writer so I could later become a novelist. Now I'm hoping to be a novelist. I can transition that into comic book writing because I do have uh, several uh, scripts and plots and um, which I will reference a few of those probably during the show. What, what explains the shift in the market for comic books? Why, why do you consider yourself priced out? Inflation, uh, cost of printing, better quality printing. You know, again, even if you go back to when I was in college and I would spend $20 every Friday, you go down to the comic book store, uh, I'd buy my comic books for the week. I'd, uh, then downstairs was a, a CD store. So I'd buy uh, my CD. So my disposable income went towards basically comic books, music, and beer. And that was usually all on a Friday. Um, but I'd talk about comic books. I, you know, read them in, in the dorm. But, you know, you could get a comic book even then for like a buck, buck 50. Now you got three, four dollars. Now I'll still pick up some of the collected editions when they're good deals. I try to follow the hobby, um, but they just keep revamping the universe. And so now my more my comic book consumption or my superhero consumption is, is far more through uh, web comics and, and more importantly, you know, uh, HBO Max and Disney Plus. So when you're watching the cinematic universe of these comic book stories, do you feel prepared or has it changed so much that you're just along for the ride? I feel prepared, but there are times I have to go and so much of it is still drawn from the classic stories of the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, but, you know, with like Moon Knight, Moon Knight has changed so much. He used to be just Mark Spector and he was a kind of a Batman knockoff. And now, you know, so I did have to do a little of the, you know, there's a few YouTube uh, uh, recaps I watched to make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, but for a lot of others, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. It's pretty much like, I know that guy. I know that guy. Or you know, watching it with my kids, I'm like, ooh, she's going to be a bad guy. Just watch, you know, you know, they don't care as much about spoilers, but yeah. So I, I'm pretty much, I still have a pretty firm grasp on it where I don't come off as too big of a, uh, a Johnny come lately. So today's episode is dedicated to superheroes, not just the superheroes we all love and, and know, but I challenged you for this one to come up with modern superheroes for modern day problems. Before we get into that, though, what would you say the purpose of a superhero is when it comes to the overall genre? I think in reality, you know, the, the superhero is our new mythology. Um, instead of gods and demigods and heroes, we have superheroes. Um, and the superhero is the perfect vehicle to tell a variety of stories. You know, whether you need a godlike figure uh, like Superman or a mere mortal flawed person like a Batman or somewhere in between Spider-Man who is, you know, the whole point of Spider-Man was he's a kid with problems just like the kids reading the comic books, but he has these fantastic powers. Whereas Batman has the same physical limitations up to a point that you and I might have, but he just has a big checkbook. Um, and then superhero, uh, Superman, someone we cannot or Wonder Woman, someone we, we, we dream to be. Uh, but they become these perfect templates um, for these other stories that we want to tell. Uh, so whether it's the everyman, you know, Peter Parker tried to pay rent and then fight Doc Ock, or whether it's, uh, you know, and, and it was Superman, it's almost a Christ figure. You know, this, uh, he fell to earth to save humanity, which ironically enough, he was uh, created by two Jewish immigrants. But um, you can tell these fantastical stories. And, and sometimes it is placing 
you know, there's a lot of the great, my favorite Batman stories from the seventies and eighties were putting Batman in the supernatural. So you take this essentially detective with a cool belt, but you put him in this world that he can't uh, identify with. And, and again, vice versa, you take Superman and you humanize him or you take, you know, the, the guy who's, it's a much bigger problem trying to ask Mary Jane out on a date than it is to fight the sinister six. So it was, it's a great vehicle for telling these wide variety of stories. And I think later what you saw is you saw them being a template to tell different kind of stories. Um, even though in many ways, Superman was the immigrant experience. Wonder Woman was actually created by a male feminist uh, educator. Um, but really in the seventies, you saw a, a shift in storytelling that was using the superhero as a canvas for more mature storytelling. Um, I think maybe most famously in the 70s, you had the Green Arrow stories where uh, Speedy, the sidekick, became a heroin addict. It dealt with addiction in a way that had never been dealt with in comics. Black Panther, uh, the original comics, he was fighting the Klan. He was fighting uh, the Jim Crow South. Um, more famously, uh, Chris Claremont's run on the X-Men was talking about racism and discrimination Later, it became a platform for LGBTQ stories, where instead of saying the black guy is getting discriminated with or the, the, the gay kid is getting discriminated with, it's the mutant, the blue mutant with the tail is being, so we could try to relate to, well, that's not fair. Why are they picking on Nightcrawler? Well, in reality, Nightcrawler was substituting for uh, an African-American student or, or you know, um, so mutant became this catch-all for racism and told these stories very effectively. Um, you know, we also saw the gritifying of, of superheroes, whether it was, you know, Frank Miller's Dark Knight, which was a criticism of Reagan era America, or The Watchmen, which was a reaction to the Cold War and moral ambiguity that we now see all over. Um, but back then, your heroes, even Batman, was still a, a good guy who never killed. And, you know, um, now we see, you know, that... Well, gee, guess what? All Batman's villains are, are mentally ill. When you looked at, and I love Claremont's X-Men run. I mean, Magneto was a Holocaust survivor. That which humanized their Darth Vader, for, for lack of a better word. You know, Wolverine was experimented on by his government. Um, you know, you had a, a uh, Nightcrawler was a German Catholic who was persecuted by the church. I mean, you had these complex characters, but at the same time, Oh, the guy who looks like a demon is fighting the mutant who can control, ma you know, magnetism. But um, it was done in such a good, good way. And, and then that's when it's very successful. So are there con specific conditions that need to exist in a world within the fictional universe for a superhero to be considered an actual superhero? Like what what changes it from just writing a story about a police officer or a firefighter? You know, I think there are certainly those superhero tropes, whether they're the costume, the name, the superpower. Um, but I think the best part of good superhero stories is the ability to stray and break those tropes as well. I mean, Superman is not like Batman, who's not like Spider-Man. Um, you know, superheroes really can be billionaires, gods, aliens, Amazon princesses. Um, but you could also argue Zorro was a superhero. Uh, the Lone Ranger was a, was, was a superhero. Um, you know, you go back to the pulp era where I don't think they were even called superhero, but a guy like, you know, was the shadow uh, who was just a, a costume vigilante uh, who wore not even costume. He just wore, uh, you know, a, a, a trench coat and a, and a thing covering his face or Doc Savage, who was, you know, this like golden man adventure, Indiana Jones type. So I don't think there are any hard, fast rules. 
Um, maybe I guess you could best say maybe it's like I know a superhero when I see it, <laughs> but I can't define it. it. It seems like to me when I was thinking of an answer for this question, it seems like there's always injustice afoot and the main character is uniquely suited to solve problems that others can't. And one thing I wanted to un unpack a little is Bruce Wayne's approach to um, fixing Gotham. You have a man who will fight in the underbelly of the city as Batman, but then you have a wealthy, wealthy person, part of the, the wealthy class. Do you think he's doing enough from both angles? It honestly depends on which version of, of Bruce Wayne. And I think Bruce Wayne, to me, it's easy to have a good Batman. It's hard to have a good Bruce Wayne. Um, if I was writing Bruce Wayne, I've actually, you know, I, I, I've way, thought way too much about this, especially the DC heroes, because I want to write them all. My Bruce Wayne would actually, well, first of all, Bruce Wayne would not be a person. It's Batman's the identity. Bruce Wayne is the, the, the mask, if you okay. will. But to me, my Bruce Wayne would be more like a, a Richard Branson type, where everything seems very spur of the moment, but it's actually Batman being very calculated. I don't like the, I didn't like the Christian Bale portrayal where it's all parting with models and I'm, I gotta be so anti-good that I come off as a, I think he should be more, to me, he should be more of a flake, but a flake with a good heart. So let's say he has to go battle Ra's al Ghul in, in the, in the, uh, you know, the rainforest. Well, Bruce Wayne is going to be like, I'm going to go save the rainforest today. Bye guys. Um, yes. I know. would love to see Bruce Wayne actually use his wealth for systemic impact. But he, and, and in many of the comics he does, there is the Wayne okay. Foundation. There's, you know, I, I even want to say in the video games, you know, even we saw it a little bit in, um, you know, that, that he kept just trying to carry on his father's legacy in, in some of the movies. But yeah, in many of the comics, Bruce Wayne is very much a philanthropist. Um, you know, Wayne Industries has a, has a philanthropic arm. So we have seen that in some of the versions of the comics. The problem is much like you know, Commissioner Gordon in the movies sometimes, or sometimes, you know, it's whoever the mayor of Gotham is, the Bruce Wayne has been the most inconsistent um, version of Batman, I think. And it's, again, one I would, again, if I was doing it, he'd be like a flaky Richard Branson who's like, no, today I am going to solve world hunger. Well, wait, maybe I'll buy Twitter. Yes. No, yes, actually, exactly. I'm, just, I'm going I'm going to go to the Arctic just because I want to, because really secretly uh, the Riddler has a base in the Arctic and he needs to get Batman there. But that would be my version. As I feel like that to, reminds me of the 90s Batman cartoon. I felt like there was a lot of that. Actually, and I would argue that that was one of the best written Batman versions it. of all time. The, the animated series was unbelievable. So then when we look at our the, the challenge for today, which is modern superheroes for modern problems, when we look back on our classic superheroes, what about them may seem dated now? Again, I think you have to go era by era. Obviously, the golden age was written for children, for small children. You know, Superman fighting uh, aliens and imps and, uh, you know, Batman being tied to a giant penny and rolled down the hill. Um, I think what you get when you get into the later, grittier versions where they did try to put it in realism. And, and Marvel, that was their whole thing. You know, Marvel, you know, Stanley used to joke, you pick up a building in the DC universe and it has a flat bottom. You pick up ours and you see pipes and, and you know, electric conduit. And, um, but you have to change it with the times with technology. And so I, I think in, in, in many ways, and we see this in the modern superheroes, uh, 
the secret identity is an outdated concept um, because of social media, because of uh, CRT cameras, because frankly, if you were, if, you know, if you were Spider-Man, somebody at the government or even just private industry could triangulate all the Spider-Man's sight oh, yeah. fittings and figure out probably. Uh, but if you look at, look at the Marvel Universe, the MCU, none of the Avengers have secret identities. Even right. Hawkeye, who hides his family on a farm, went out to dinner and everyone recognizes him because he didn't wear a costume. So if you were to be a superhero now, would you just have to relegate yourself to being employed by the government, maybe? Uh, yeah, or you'd have to be, a, you know, you'd have to be Ollie Queen and be a billionaire. You'd have to be, you know, and I haven't watched The Flash in a while, but I know he had some some money backing him through whichever rich inventor, you know, underneath the, the star labs or whatever. But yeah, that's why if you look at all the modern superhero ones, um, if they do have a secret identity, they let everyone in, you know, in green arrow, he had nine people who knew in flash he has a team of like 47 people. Um, Spider-Man got outed in, in, you know, the last movie. So that I think that is one thing, you know, that has been very difficult. Um, you know, just the concept of what kind of person would put on, you know, Grant, you don't see him wear spandex anymore. They all have armor or padding or uh, cargo pants or, you know. So, you, yeah, to put it in the real world, because no one would just don a pair of tights and run out there to fight. Especially um, if you're visible. Silly. It's like yes. you have to jump through all these hoops. What about in the case of Anonymous, who is not one person, but a mass of hackers that are global wide? I guess you could argue that they are like a modern day superhero, except they're not one person. They're an initiative and a group. And I think one of the things they did was when Russia first started attacking Ukraine, they started dismantling Russian news media sites. Yeah. And with that though, but you have the anonymity of being behind the keyboard, which yeah. is ironically enough, every superhero now seems to have a keyboard warrior uh, on, on their team. That's right. Like Barbara um, Gordon was probably one of the first, right? With Batman. Barbara Gordon, got- I think was, yeah, was the first, but then you have uh, uh, what's her name on Felicity on Green oh, Arrow and you have yeah. that whole team of the Star Lab guys, you know, with with uh, uh, with Vibe and all, with all of them, all of them can hack into a computer and um, because it's just, yeah. And, and, and really, if you want to start with that, that might have started even with like 24 where Jack Bauer, who's not necessarily a traditional superhero, but had um chloe you know backing him up and sending him the info to his pda or pdf or whatever pda so yeah i think again that is the adaption of the time but yeah i think if you want to look at uh, you know it's it's far more realistic to be able to stay anonymous as someone who's behind a keyboard than if you know if i ran out there today and put on body armor and grabbed a baseball bat and uh decided to go you know uh, fight the guy who's trying to rob my circle k well within an hour that the video footage of the circle K would be there. And they're like, we're looking for a five foot six <laughs> stocky. Uh, and people would be like, Oh, that, that looks like Brad. So do you uh, think with that technology in hand though, do you like, let's say you do have someone back home on the, on the counter or the, the on the keyboard for you that the brute strength component is even needed in the modern day. Again, it depends on the story you're trying to tell. Um, obviously if, if Thanos is attacking or, you know, Doc Ock with those metal arms, yes, you need a brute strength component. But I think, and you have seen this, you can write completely compelling stories where the the hero's greatest asset is his mind. And frankly, some of the best Batman stories are where he is the detective um, rather than the, the fighter. Um, you know, and I thought the new movie attempted to do that 
but just really needed an editor. <laughs> um, but yeah, some of the yeah. best Batman stories. I mean, remember they used to call it detective comics. I mean, that's where Batman came from. So, and you have other heroes like that, whether it's uh, the DC has the question and um, you know, Marvel has some guys like that. Uh, even if you look at, you know, look at the Hawkeye uh, limited series. Um, the best part of that was when Hawkeye was trying to discover the information, not when he was shooting his bow. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes you can tell very compelling stories without the brute strength aspect although again at the end of the day uh, most successful superhero it is a it is a physical combat um, capability i've prepared two different types of modern day superheroes now mind you i am i'm probably the opposite of you i am not as knowledgeable of comic books i know what's on the in the theater runs and i have a light-hearted obsession with characters mostly because of I love them and not, not because of the loyalty to the, to the comic book um, history, even though I'm definitely, I appreciate it. Uh, so I, I prepared two. how many do you have? Oh, uh, I'll figure it out. I got, I got a bunch. Cause I've, as I think about storytelling, which I do frequently, I come up with ideas of how I'd like to present. Um, and some are already maybe even slightly dated, but yeah, I always try to think of, a realistic approach to telling the superhero story. Okay. All right. How about uh, you start with one? We'll go back. Okay. So I always wanted to rewrite the Fantastic Four, but this could work for anyone. And, and my original idea was the Fantastic Four breaks up. Um, and Sue and Richard, who are the married couple with the kid, they go off to be like Indiana Jones type adventurers. He's going to use his scientific mind and her powers to go, you know, raise She's the land. one that turns invisible. And correct? has force fields and things. Okay. Then the thing who was a street level, who, you know, is the brick guy, but he was basically just a guy who grew up in Brooklyn, in the Bronx. And he goes back to find out his neighborhood is uh, taken over by the mob. So, the, But the story I really wanted to tell was Johnny Storm, who's the flamboyant human torch played by chris evans and played by chris evans and later version. played by what's his name the guy from um black, black panther. panther yeah yeah michael <laughs> like b jordan blinking, thank you, michael michael b. B. Jordan. um so what would he do because he doesn't want to be out of the spotlight he would reform the fantastic four and how would he do that on a reality show <gasps> it would be american idol for superheroes american idol for superheroes so i love that if you look at the Fantastic Four, there, you know, and a lot of the superhero teams, there's always a type. You have to have a strong man or strong woman. You have to have an energy projector. You hopefully have some kind of mentalist. Um, you, you know, so basically, he would be looking with, and it would be so the story would be told both looking like a television show and then the behind the scenes with him. And then his conflict as the producers of the show are trying to force their. He's like, well, no, I need She-Hulk. I know her. She's really good. We're like, no, 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 no. She doesn't test well with the, no. the, the market. <laughs> you need <laughs> you need brute gal. Or and so, and of course, villains would be trying to infiltrate. But yeah, I wanted to do where it was Johnny Storm as the human torch, or but it could be any character putting together his superhero team, not like Batman did. Cause I love the also love the building of a superhero team. I love that part of the movie. Like I love that. That was the best part of Justice League. Bruce Wayne, Batman going and finding Aquaman and finding Wonder Woman. And, but it would be that. So, you know, first Johnny Storm's dropping by to hand them the invitation to come to the Baxter building. Um, and then we follow as, and then of course they have to have trials and tribulations. And again, there's going to be villains involved. Um, so 
that that would be my thing how to take our modern how to become a star in the modern you know uh, era and mix it with a traditional superhero team building story that makes me think of um when when you think of manufactured boy bands and um yes yes the appeal that they they have commercially and how you probably have like especially in the, the case that you're talking reality show on competitions you have that one poster child which is in this case johnny and um being able to find new talent and i could picture that now like you interview the contestants and they're all so excited and they're trying to bring themselves out of like a life of hardship or whatever or maybe they had a toxic accident and now they want to share their story well, and, and then you know he has to cut the person because like he was hideously disfigured even though he's the most powerful one because they have to take the more handsome uh yes you know. incorporate the or hollywood I, issues yeah or you even have the you could be you know when they're like i just don't think you're ready i don't think you can handle the pre and maybe that's it like oh you have wonderful powers but you just cried uh when i asked you you know what your superhero name was because you couldn't just so you could play with a lot of those tropes and 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 cliches but do it as superheroes as opposed to singers or dancers or uh, your other entertainment uh, fields. Interesting. Okay. My first one I'll talk about is uh, inspired. Okay. okay. I'll tell you the name first lady justice. And the reason why I came up with first lady justice is because when Barack Obama was in office, Michelle Obama worked on a health, health campaign for schools. And I, so I saw this in a documentary. I'm going off of memory right now. And she was targeting sugar specifically trying to reduce sugars in schools but she angered the sugar or the high fructose corn syrup lobbies. And so even though she had a point, um, like, you know how, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, next door, there's a cafe and it goes healthy snacks for healthy schools and it's ice cream. It's just straight ice cream. Um, so she was working really hard on this fantastic initiative. And then suddenly I think the lobbyists got pissed off that her whole initiative just went away. It just faded away into the distance. And I'm like thinking when you're the first lady, it's a very unique position. You're not elected in, you're kind of initially back in the old, you're basically a trophy wife. That's how it was. And you have your feel good family initiatives, but you, you don't have the same influence that you would have if you were an actual elected official, even though you do have a very special platform. And I would, I'd look at things like that with Michelle Obama, where she was powerless to fight these very powerful lobbies for a very important cause. What if she or whatever first lady or first man, first gentleman, is that, I don't know what it would be. I think it is the first gentleman. Okay. Yes. The, the first lady or the first gentleman would have an alter ego that would then go on like, all right, I'm going to go destroy your sugar factories now under the guise of a shadow or whatever. But at the same time as the public figure, I'm smiling and I don't look affected, but I'm using my political network to get the information I need to then tear down sugar factories. Oh, there you go. That's what I would, that's what I would. Or it could even be where they have a, an agent at their disposal. So it's not necessarily the first lady out there, but she's feeding information to her, Ooh, yeah. her super agent or the person she had the government create for her. Yes. Um, an entourage. Yeah. To yeah. Get her... okay. So I like that. Cool. All right. What's your next one? Okay. So this is a mixture of two ideas I had. And again, I like to see, I always wanted to do the, well, how would the real world react? Um, and when I was a kid, there was a, even before, I, I used to get the encyclopedias of superheroes. They were called Who's Who in the, in the Marvel Universe. I think they were, I forget what DC called it. And I was looking through, and there were some corny superheroes from the 40s. 
Um, and a lot of them have been revamped and modernized, but one of them was called Mr. Terrific. Um, he has been modernized. And if you watch Green Arrow, uh, he was the, the kind of the nerdy inventor guy with the T on his, you know, painted the T on his face. But his original one was a guy with like just, you know, red and green costume that said fair play on it. And then, you know, as a 13 year old kid, I'm like, that guy's stupid. But I'm like, but he wouldn't be stupid endorsing products. Ooh, okay. Going further, what if Johnson and Johnson or Procter and Gamble or whoever created their own superhero to be their own spokesperson? And he really fought crime. But, and but then, did he know, use their products to solve the crime? Not necessarily, but you know, he might be like, Mr. Terrific, you just brought down the mafia. What are you doing? I'm going to go have a Pepsi and a Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> and then you could tell a variety of stories where it's actually not one. There's a whole team of them because you, you can't work seven days a week. And then some of them are flawed. But then I thought, well, what if you actually had the same concept, but it was government and they had a public facing hero? Um, think of Captain America, but it's actually you have the Captain America who shows up and talks to the media and appears on The View and on Fallon, but he's actually not the real superhero. Ah, okay. He's the pretty boy. He's Steve Rogers. But really, you have the again this whole team of gritty mercenary superheroes who are ah. doing the dirty work. Um, so it is, again, how you market your superhero uh, to the media, but that there, there's got to be a dark underbelly. And then there's an SF, but yeah, so that's it. Just how do would how would corporations and the government use the superhero as a marketing tool, as a propaganda tool, um, as a way to to sell product? I'm surprised uh, that hasn't happened so that, yet. That was, yeah. And I'm sure it has in some regard. But again, that the, the, to me, that would be very much. And again, it kind of goes along with the because the, the reality show would have the same thing. Johnny Storm drinking his Coke while he's trying to figure out whether, you know, She-Hulk or, or Thing Jr. should be the, the muscle person. But uh, yeah, so I think, again, how would the media um, react to uh, or, or product placement with, with with superheroes? That makes me think of there is I'm, I'm the name of the account is eluding me right now. Uh, Kirby Jenner. Actually, I think it's called Kirby Jenner. It's this guy that gets photoshopped into all or video shopped into all the Kardashian footage as if he was there with them. And they put on this whole thing, like he's their long lost cousin or brother, but he doesn't show up on the show and it looks incredibly realistic. And then you, it's a fun guy that you follow. You think he's like an influencer or whatever. And then you find out it's actually a marketing agency that runs the entire thing. And they're showing off their capabilities of changing footage to incorporate them in there. And I don't know if he's an actor or he's just employed by the agency, but it makes me think of that where you have that one person at the front making all the appearances, but you have like a whole agency behind you supporting you. What about um, taking that one step further manifesting superhero qualities through, you know, doctoring photos and videos and creating a superhero that isn't real, but we perceive him to be because we're only watching it through our phones. I that's, guess that yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, how the, the heroes doesn't exist. No, it doesn't, doesn't exist at all. Maybe they're a deep fake. Maybe they're a, a person, but it's completely manifested and yeah, you're able there's to actually create... no, yeah. You either always happen to be in a weird place. You can't, I just saved uh, the rainforest here. You can't get here, but uh huh. 
Yeah. Or, or you know, the, the actual uh, police department has the drug bust, but they give credit to, you know, Agent Zero, who, again, is just some guy in his workshop with the green screen and Photoshop. And yeah, it's like taking the the guy who pretended to be the Mandarin in um, the Iron Man yes. movie, but he's not a real villain. And so the idea is then you can manipulate their followership you know how like I mean, social media is so powerful in the, in the area of endorsement, the person's not even real, but now you can get the followers to do certain things, whether it's to buy a certain product or act a certain way or whatever. Okay. My next one, I guess it's kind of along the, this, the, this route. It's not fully developed because I feel like there's so many what ifs here, but I'm calling them the social media bandit. And it's because if, I don't know if you've noticed this on social media, but you don't tr- like that wild, wild west of the old days. Internet doesn't exist anymore. You're choked off. You're throttled. It's really hard to get information out there. Um, I want someone to take down the big platforms and restore freedom of access. So this person would probably have a tragic past that fuels them. Uh, maybe a loved one got manipulated by fake news or they fell for a spam account. We're, ta- we're talking about like fake accounts that like get women to give them money, you know, and they think they're dating, that kind of stuff. And the idea of the Robin Hood effect. So rob from the rich, give to the poor, hack into these systems and give maybe certain activists more, uh, more of the outreach, like actually let people organically reach their followership and their base without having to pay for it. Uh, influencing the algorithms to expose certain injustices um, or to promote certain causes. And while I say all this, this is all being done from behind a computer and it's not very interesting to watch. But I guess in a world where everyone's just staring at their computers anyway, or their their screens anyway, I guess that's all that really matters. I think the secret to that would be telling the story through through those impacted as opposed to um, the, the one impacting that they would be almost a minor character in their own story. So, you know, you have the person they're helping or, you know, the, the, the charitable or, or whoever, and it, it, each issue or episode would follow that person. Um, oh. So it'd be almost like an anthology story. Oh, I, I really like that. All the different ways that social media has hurt or hindered somebody and how you can then also inversely use it for good once the, the social media bandit has gotten involved. Okay. What else you got? Well, again, and again, I don't know how many of these have been done by independent comics, but I always wanted to do a story. And this, I came up with the idea when I was right out of college and having trouble finding a job about a guy who's right out of college and has trouble finding a job and becomes a henchman. Ooh, okay. So you've got this college educated guy who basically becomes you know, who are the guys who follow the Joker? Who are the guys who follow, you know, these horrible people? Um, you know, most of them you would think, oh, career criminal. Well, what if it's just a 26-year-old, 23-year-old kid right out of college who he can either take the internship for, for no money or he can go work for the Joker? Uh, yeah, and, so his secret identity is being the henchman. Yes, so he, you know, and, you know, but, and then how do you live with, like, the guilt of what the guy's doing? Uh, how do you move up in the world of henching? Um, do, you know, do, you, do you start with a minor criminal and move your way up? Uh, <laughs> Give them some job titles. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and originally started, I actually filled out a resume as if I was a henchman. I was just practicing my resume writing. But yeah, just we follow this guy. He has no powers. Um, 
he or it could be he or she, you know, um, no powers, very unassuming, you know, five foot 10, 140 pounds, not an athlete, uh, had never shot a gun before. Um, and suddenly they are, you know, driving the getaway car or the getaway plane, or Ooh. they're wearing the clown mask as you raid the bank. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's about navigating. It would be, again, a lot of it would be navigating the modern work you know, do you go work for Lex Luthor because he offers a 401k? Um, That's true. You know, so you could have, it could be a wry social commentary where at the same time, you know, just kind of a fun, and then a fun look at how villain organizations work. Well, yeah, the internal politics, the, what you have to do to move up. I, I can, I can see it now. Are you hench one? And then you get promoted to hench two. Um, what, what, like, like, uh, okay. I'm trying to think off the top of my head physical exertion specialist number one or well, to, oh. do you, uh, you know do you get to be as the department head of demolitions i mean ah, are, you, are yep. you do you go from demolitions department to getaway to transportation um you know is he looked down upon because he's college educated that, yeah, yeah 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 or you know Torture do you, services. Do you take your, do you take one of the other henchmen home to, to meet your family on the weekend? Because you haven't, they're like, who are your friend at work? Yeah, mom, dad, this is Crusher. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. And, and what would a job description read and how would you find it? Would it be like on topsecretjobs.com or? Yeah. Do you stumble upon on the dark web? Do, does someone jokingly put it out on Twitter and you like, oh, I'm going to apply for to be work with the oh, I'm really working for the Joker or, you know, whoever. Well, and then you look at the things like, yeah, what are your benefits and are you overpaid? And do you have a boss that actually values you? And wouldn't it be funny if the, that the top honcho really values his employees and he treats them extremely well. And that's why they stick around. Yeah. Except for the ones he kills when they fail him, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. But I mean, clearly the culture will be like, you deserved that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. And then, right. yeah, at one point you have to decide, does he descend into evil? Does he, you know, he or she remain pure of heart but working in a bad industry do they try to then later become a sidekick you know that whole the whole yeah interesting there is a book um that i read called hench that she a girl is a an executive assistant to villains and what she ends up doing is it doesn't go into like the full industry it's mostly administrative if i remember correctly um and she changes job opportunities to work for a particularly evil villain. And it was really interesting because I think she learns manipulative behavior from him to then rise into her own villainy, if I remember correctly. Uh, but like all, all, it's like the anti-hero story. Um, I guess it's the villain story where she was perfectly normal. And it's almost like Catwoman from the nineties where she was kind of quiet and then something devastating happened to her and she got injured and then changed her whole mindset. It was like that. So I need to look that up so I can recommend it. That was a really good book. All right. Anything else? Yeah. The, uh, I guess like, the, you know, again, I come from a media background. So I always think of what would the media be like and, and would it become oversaturated with superheroes much like our entertainment industry is now? Yeah. And I think you would have a show like for lack of a word, capes, which would be their version of cops, except you follow, the superhero i think you would have um a new like a like an entertainment weekly or an entertainment tonight but it'd be heroes tonight i love the title capes instead yeah. of cops that's hilarious yeah. um yeah so i think you would have like i'm mary hart where was spider-man today you know where was dr 
evil, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, did you notice that Superman has a new costume? Is that a darker shade of red? And I think you would, I think it would extend to, to, to YouTube and things like that, where you would have uh tier lists of superheroes. You would have first time reaction videos to seeing Mega Man fly across the sky. I think you would have, um, the other thing I think you would have is I think you would have a, a, a collector's market. Um, and I actually, I do have a story I want to write where basically someone buys a, a pen light that, that Batman had in his mouth. And of course they want the DNA off it. But I think you would have this, this is a rock that fell off the Empire State Building when the Hulk hit it. And it uh, would be, yeah. you know, there'd be an eBay for, you know, for superheroes. There would be a collector's market. Um, there would be forgeries. I think, again, I think we would become inundated with uh, shows. There would probably be a superhero network where you would have, you know, um, breakdowns of, of the heroes, much like we do with sports, much like we do, you know, would there be an award show? People are always be... critiquing you. Every yes. Could you have done that takedown a little oh, yeah. bit better? Oh, and then, of course, it would be politicized. Um, in the modern thing. So you would, you know, if they found out a superhero was liberal or conservative, would a conservative hero be canceled by the left or would, you know, Fox News only embrace uh, certain superheroes? Like, oh, well, we like Captain America. Wait, Captain America just spoke out in, in, uh, for, for, for George Floyd. He's canceled by the right and now he's the liberal, you know. So I think you would have this whole very weird uh, thing where you know it used to be like either you support the vigilante or you don't but now i i, I could literally see like half of america likes spider-man but half doesn't uh, just depending on what he did or who he said or you know there would be probably whispers of does does, does batman fight too many uh, uh villains of color uh does oh yeah uh, you know there would be all Absolutely. kinds of of you know even down to like breaking down like did you notice the shape of his boot looks not unlike the boots worn by, you know, that kind of thing. So I think we would have this whole sub economy of, of, of superherodom and in, in if it was modern and, and now. If you were a superhero in that environment, would you find yourself cashing into a lot of opportunities, whether it's like Spider-Man selling pictures of himself or running your own YouTube channel? I think you would have to. Yeah, unless I'm already a billionaire, but if, like, like if tomorrow I got powers, oh, I think I, yeah, I'd, I'd have to do endorsements. I think you'd have to, um, yeah, try to, try to, try to, for lack of a word, market yourself. Um, How do you think the police will feel with all these vigilantes running around? I think it would depend on what, what, what community you're in. Um, the interesting thing would be, and again, I don't know, would conservatives like vigilantes because they're they're hard on crime or would they not like them because they're taking away power from, from traditional law enforcement? Um, and I don't know, but I think it would come down to that. You know, I think you would either see vigilantes in, in more conservative cities and not in more liberal or vice versa, you know? Um, and I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, my initial feeling would be I, I i could see conservative america liking vigilantes um where they might not like more like uh, earth saving superheroes you know because that's taken away yeah like Captain the avengers I, I i think i think conservative media would not like the avengers but would like batman okay um because you know again batman's beating up street punks 
um well may, may, maybe the aliens are our friends or maybe you know maybe well thanos is getting rid of half of them maybe he's only getting rid of half of the bad people you know Ooh, that, so, yeah. and i don't know again it's uh, political i think it would come down to who says what um you know is is tony stark perceived as elon musk who the conservatives seem to like this week or is he seen as bill gates um who they don't and they don't trust okay iron man's putting uh you know he's putting chips into us all they fall from the sky uh or iron man's gonna buy twitter and save you know so i don't know but uh again i think you could say one wrong thing and the whole thing would flip on you i think we have time for one more idea if you have it before I move on to the next question. I think I'm done. I think okay. I, I think that's it. And I probably said too much and now they're all going to get stolen. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I know I was thinking that too, where I'm like, am I going to give too many ideas away? But I'm also like, I'm not going to write those right now. <laughs> so, uh, and I've, I, I've always wanted to do a challenge if it didn't take so much time where you can give the same prompt to two writers and they can write it out completely differently and have a completely different feel. So I was like, okay, I wouldn't, I don't mind sharing my ideas. And that is the beauty of comic books. We see a lot of that. Um, where again, you can take a story that was written 20 years ago, rewrite it from another perspective and it's brand new again. So mm -hmm. yeah. When you have 70 years of history of whatever it is, 80 now of Batman. Do you think we still need to push out Batman movies? Yes. Cause they, they, they haven't, this haven't been done right. I Close. agree but not I, quite. Okay. I the also, the first two Bale movies were close. I enjoyed that. I enjoy his. Yeah. yeah. I thought I, I was able to, I, okay. I really liked Robert Pattinson in the latest Batman. I thought he did fantastic. I, lo I loved everyone in their roles, but I felt like I was seeing the same plot lines over and over. Like, you know, the Falcone and someone else, like the corruption within the police and the authority. And I was like, I feel like we did this already. And so I lost interest and I thought Penguin, what was your thoughts on how they treated the Penguin character? I actually really liked it. It's very, it's very similar to the comic books. Okay. Or not the comic books, the, the video games. Um, I really liked him. I liked the way the movie looked. I liked uh, how it was filmed. I just thought it was A, too long and B, a lot of it was, we're going to take the story. We're going to twist it like 15 degrees and try mm -hmm. to retell it as opposed to i know i want a 90 degree yeah uh, I, want I want something so degree. wacky and weird like i'm sure yeah. in the years of comics that they've like there's something we haven't done again oh yet. there's there's a lot yeah there's a lot okay <laughs> so do you think the world needs superheroes in real life as far as the classical sense of the superhero um no and again because i don't think i don't think there's a you could remain pure to what you need to be to be a superhero. The idea um, of superhero is something we put on a pedestal. It's not really yeah, achievable. Um, because I think the way our world is now, and I even know if that was two 20 years ago, um, because it would get politicized. It would get tarnished. It would get, you know, let's say, let's say you're a superhero who's, you know, burning down the, the sugar plant. Well, the sugar lobby is going to blackmail them or they're going to tarnish that image. So we're not good. We would never get a pure version of it anyways. Um, but then whoever is on the wrong side of the wrong person, you know, uh, Biden endorses the superhero, half the country is going to hate him. Trump endorses the superhero, half the country is going to hate him. Um, so you could, it could never work in today's climate. Okay. Well, thank you, Brad, for joining me again. You're always a joy to have on the podcast. Do you have any last words? Nope. Just thanks for letting me geek out for superheroes for like 40 minutes.
Speculative Sandbox is a volunteer-run podcast that relies on the collaboration of fellow creators like you. Join the conversation and participate in fun polls and questionnaires on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Interested in being in a future episode? Our DMs are open, or you can email speculativesandbox at gmail.com.